0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host Leo Flowers. Oh my God! I am Leo Flowers. Right now, Mm -hmm. I have uh, Carmen Lynch, who's getting real cozy on a couch right now. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Now, what kind of chocolate are you like? When are you a a chocolate snob? Are you? uh, I love chocolate. Cacao. Um,
1: I love the dark chocolate. It has to be at least seventy percent.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But I I love
1: eighty-five
0: oh now is that that's not bitter that doesn't
1: it's a little bitter i like it
0: so you like black licorice also that's that's what i'm sensing
1: i don't eat licorice i'm not a licorice kind of girl oh is that code for something
0: no 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 not at all that's so funny i know comics We don't trust each other Uh, i know uh, i'm like
1: wait is this a joke of some kind
0: I don't like any. I don't like those chewy candies. It gets, it gets caught in your teeth and it is not satisfying at, at, on any level.
1: No, I get it. I'm actually not so much a candy girl
0: yeah.
1: as I am just a chocolate girl. Right. You know?
0: Chocolate. You chocolate. like chocolate? You like uh, chips? Are you a big chips? I
1: love chips. That's and a savory like, thing, though.
0: Okay. And you like pizza?
1: I love pizza. I don't okay. eat it too much, though, because. All that bread, yeah. Just I remember one time Cindy Crawford said this in the 90s. She said, If you're gonna eat bread, you might as well just sit on it because that's <laughs> where it's going. <laughs> and I was like, That girl is right. So,
0: Cindy Crawford, huh? it is, is, was that your model growing up? Like, you, oh, yeah, you because you're I tall, I totally
1: wanted to be her. Yes, I was dying to be her. I wanted to be Cindy Crawford. Her or her best friend. Like, she was my girl.
0: Ah, oh, you know what? Yeah. That, you bring up a good point. It's There's there's such a big difference between the main person in the group and then the best friends. And sometimes the best friends have more fun than the main person. They get all the perks without any of the pressure. Yes. Right? It,
1: well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just wanted to be... If I couldn't be her, I would be her... Um, her best friend because then I get to hang around and it wasn't sexual. It's not like I wanted her. I just wanted her life. I thought she was gorgeous Mm. and she was tall and, and, you know, I'm six feet tall. So I just thought, Oh, if people keep telling me I should be a model, then I'm going to, I want to be the coolest model, you know, the most beautiful one, which I always thought was her.
0: Did you, did you, because you know, you're a comedian and like you said, you're six feet tall did you feel a pressure to try to become a model or, yes. or was that something that, um, you want it to be?
1: I want, I want it to be one, but I'm sure part of that was a pressure because I mean, who wouldn't want it? Cause from the outside, it does look like it's just so glamorous, you know? Um, and you know, from the outside, if you don't know what it is, you and you're what, 16, you think you just get to wear the coolest clothes, travel, make a ton of money. And everyone tells you how beautiful you are. So I was like, Oh my God, you know, hold on, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. So, so I'm just going to turn off my alarm. So, you know, all of my friends were like, my friends, like my neighbors, they'd be like, you know, you should be a model. And I was in my head. I was like, really? Oh my God. That's so cool. So I actually even went to like modeling I asked my parents if they could take me to modeling school.
0: oh my god and that one is expensive too super you're comparing yourself to all these other uh, you know uh, wannabe models and yep it, so what was that how what was that experience like you walk into the, a room and it's like so many other beautiful women. Did well, you feel like I got this or psh.
1: no, not at all. It's first of all, it's so shallow. It's just like our version of Instagram now. Like, you know, you think everything has to be perfect. Like, you know, all the photos on Instagram, this is your life is what you put on Instagram. So um, first of all, it was super expensive and uh, and it's bullshit because first of all, I lived in Virginia. So, you know, it's not a big modeling state you know? <laughs> and, and I was, I remember going to the mall a couple times and someone was like, Oh my God, are you a model? You should call us. And they give you their business card. And then you go and it's, it's not like you're being treated like a, a model. It's like, okay, so now you need pictures. That'll be $600. And now you need this. You should take our class. That's this much. So it's all a scam. You know, if you're that gorgeous, Um, they'll just fucking snag you on the street. You know, they're not going to be like, okay, now you owe us this much money because you have to take this class.
0: Yeah, you're immediately objectified. And I think people don't understand that. They just see the traveling and the food and who you get to hang out with and the parties. But you you become a number. You become a fight. Like, how much money can you bring in? And then also, like, you know, your height, weight, hit. I mean, did you feel a pressure to start dieting and eating a certain way and working out Did that come yes out
1: but later in life like uh, i think in my 20s when i moved to new york city this was before stand-up i i was like oh my god i'm in new york city now this is where you can get discovered you know this is like the land of whatever talent you want whether it's singing or dancing or modeling or whatever so uh So I felt this and I wanted to give it one last hurrah. So I was like, someone did approach me in New York and they were like, just come to our go see. That's what they called it, a go see. And then I was like, oh, I need to be super skinny. So, um, and I was already thin, but I just, I don't know. I was, I guess it just felt like I was in control if I, you know, didn't eat. And I was like, this is awful. I'm (laughs) starving, you know? Um, but then after a while, I was like, I discovered stand up and I was like, fuck everything else. It's so much easier to just be yourself and eat a cookie and just do nothing, you know.
0: But you don't seem like a person who can just sit and do nothing. Like I, I look at your Instagram, your horseback riding, your, <laughs> your rock climbing, you yes. you know, and and for the listeners out there uh Carmen Lynch and I I I've, I've known about you for a very long time. I'll, when you release an album, I download it immediately on Spotify and listen to it. Aww. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I love watching you. your TikToks and uh, but we we got to hang out together in on a military tour where I we went right. to Guantanamo Bay. Where else did we go?
1: We well, I think we stayed in Cuba the whole time. Oh, we, Oh, that's right. We uh, but we did a lot of stuff. We went um snorkeling and uh we found i still have the seashells from that cave that we went to
0: did you make a necklace what do you what are you doing no with i
1: <laughs> i have like a little this is so girly it's so bed bath and beyond i have like a little bowl in my bathroom that has like all my shells but you know i'm kind of proud of us like we went in we went snorkeling from that boat into a cave and just found these giant shells. And then I was so freaked out that like if I put them in my suitcase, I'd like open it and like some gross snail would come out. So I like boiled everything. I boiled all the shells for like 24 hours and made sure there were no like cooties from the ocean. And uh and I have them and I love them.
0: That's so funny. I did not know that you boiled the shells.
1: I Googled everything. I was like, what if I get some disease from the water? or some like tiny, uh, microbacterial fish, you know? So I did, I did everything it said, and it said to soak them for a while.
0: Real, I was that, like, all I right. Mean, that's real talk. I mean, yeah. Cause you definitely don't, you know, I mean, you know, you look at SARS and Ebola and all these things that yeah. people are getting from bats and even spinach, uh-huh. you know, causing these, uh, yes. breakouts. So, uh, there's some logic to how you were thinking. Um, but, you know, growing up and being, were you always taller? Did you like, were you like five, two in, uh, you know, 5th grade and then sprouted up to like 6 feet in 7th grade?
1: No, I was always the one of the tallest in my class. Like, I moved from Spain to America when I was 8. And that's where, like, even then I started to notice that I was taller because one of our teachers would always say, okay, line up shortest to tallest. And that just always made me groan. I was so annoyed because, you know, first of all, I was really shy. I just moved to this country. I don't, I spoke the language, but I wasn't very confident about it, you know? And now I have to stand in the back of the line with boys. And, you know, at that age, boys have cooties. So it was just me and a bunch of of American boys with cooties because I was, you know, tall and I was the only girl in the back. And I was so annoyed that they made us do that every single day.
0: So is that, uh, um, you know, because two things can happen. When people are telling you you're, you're, you're tall, you're beautiful, you should model. Um, two things happen. Either, you know, you're the most popular, you become the most popular kid because you're tall and beautiful and, and look like a model. Or um, the opposite happens where because like you're shy and, you know, you're not very confident and you're new to the country um, that you don't see yourself the way that people are seeing you. What, what was your, your internal dialogue and, and how did that change, uh, you know, through the grades?
1: Well, it, it never really changed until much later because um, I, I was very shy. But then it, by middle school, I had scoliosis, so I had to wear a back brace. So, you know, first it was like, oh my God, am I saying things wrong? I just won't talk. And then it was like, oh my God, I have to wear this thing and everyone's going to see it. I hate it. I'm just not going to talk to people so they won't notice my back brace. So there was a lot of kind of hiding. And I think I, if I had to psychoanalyze myself, I think that's why I became a comedian is because everything just went the opposite direction. And then one day it just turned. It, I did a 180, and I just started, just you know, regurgitating everything.
0: With, with the with the scoliosis, I would imagine it had to be painful, especially because your body is still growing, and now you have scoliosis on top of that. Were there any meds involved?
1: No, it's not painful. I mean, some people do have pain, and they'll also have surgery. Like like I I'm not jealous of the people who had to have like a spinal. Um, like a met like an iron or a metal pole up their spine but back then I was super jealous because you know they didn't have to wear this brace and so it was really mental it was mental pain mostly for me it was mental anguish it was shame I was so embarrassed like my family we never talked about it at home and I don't think my parents meant it in any way other than like you know we were just used to not talking about bad things and they thought it was fine, you know? So I just kind of uh shoved everything under the rug. You know, I think it affected me later. Once I got the brace off, um, I was a, I'd say it was like a freshman, maybe. And I was still like that girl in a brace. Kind of like, you know how they say when people like heavy people lose weight, they're still fat in a skinny body, like they haven't changed. Well, that's what I felt like. I was still wearing a brace, but it was gone. But I, I, I wasn't able to kind of blend in with people until much later.
0: So, uh, there's two things I want to unpack. Is um, one is I know that you're you talk about a lot in your stand-up being in therapy, and I think that yeah. you know you mentioned for 10 years, maybe longer. But I want to put a pin in that and and talk about because you said in your household. You weren't able to talk about your emotions, so you're 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 having to shove your anguish and your shame under the rug. But we know that you can't really shove it. At some point, it piles up. Yeah. And then boom, there's an explosion. Did you have behavioral issues? Were you acting out in some kind of way? Like, what was the the backlash from shoving?
1: No, I had panic attacks. I had a lot of panic attacks. So, like, I, you know, I went through like you know, I had, I, I loved high school. Cause I was with my friends. Like that was fine. Like I just didn't talk to boys. I was really nervous around them and stuff. Um, I mean, I had like guys who were friends, but I wasn't like dating. And then I went to college and, you know, just like most people, it was just a drunken blur. Like I just drank all the time if I was going to a party or whatever. But then after college, once I moved to New York and I started like dating, um, I could not, I was just pan. I just had panic attacks. Cause it college is such a bubble. Like it's just so easy to like go to a fraternity and have a few drinks and then you might hook up or you might have, you know, whatever. And then you come to the real world and it's New York is kind of the same. Like you can still, you know, go to a bar and drink or whatever. But like, if you go on a date, you're not going to show up drunk, you know? Um, but so I was sober at this point and I just, I got so nervous. So anything, any kind of closed space, like a restaurant, like if I was in an intimate restaurant on a date, or if I was in a, um, it started to affect me in anything that was closed, like a classroom. Like if I took a, I would take like screenwriting classes and it was like a tight room, you know, New York city that they, they like just rent studios and there's, 13 people in there and it's too tight. Like any of those situations, I would just start sweating, like a lot. I would sweat and I just felt claustrophobic. I could not I just couldn't settle into that place mentally.
0: And so, so yeah. you're sweating, your uh heart racing, palpitations, uh yes. tunnel vision, that kind of thing. Did you, did you ever like have to run out the classroom or did you have to do, were there exercises like breathing? Like how did you? Oh, it was that?
1: awful. I for years didn't know what to do. So I would run out. I would, I would run outside and just in the cold, just like hope. But by then it was so embarrassing, especially dates, like dates triggered it like that. So I'd have makeup on, I would do my hair and then I'd go on into this restaurant and, uh, And I'd be like, I'll be right back. And then I I would go to the bathroom and I would literally just be so angry at myself. And, you know, clearly it's not my fault. It's just a reaction. And at this point I was still not in therapy. So I didn't know how to process things. So I was only angry at myself and I only made it worse. You know, you know how they teach you in therapy? Like if don't be hard on yourself, you know like love that inner child, it's not her fault. I was like, fuck you, what the fuck is going on? I was so angry and I just made it worse. And by the time I came out, I looked, I'm not kidding. I looked disgusting. I My makeup was off. My hair was flat. I was shiny. I, I, was, I was so paranoid that I smelled. I was like, do I smell? And then I had to go back to the table on this date with this guy. And I could tell like if they even looked like above, like at my eyebrows or my, my hairline, I was in my head, like parent, like, what are you looking at? (laughs) So it was the worst. I can't tell you. It looked like you
0: hooked up with somebody in the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yes. I could not believe like, how did I not kill myself back then? And I'm not making light of it, but it was awful, awful. So then, uh, I had a lot of first dates, but if I had just if I had just treated it like, oh yeah, I have a panic attack, you know, the way like I would today, cause I'm a comedian. I don't give a shit about anything. If I had just treated it like, oh my God, I'm just feeling like weird, you know, whatever. Um, then I'm sure the guy would have been like, fine. But because of the way I was, I would shut down and I would look like a deer in headlights. And I was like, and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. And I, my personality, everything just went out the door and it just, I, I, it was almost like I built, a, a shell, like a protection, a protective shell. And I just kept everything out. And I, if I look back, I feel like that must, that must've been what I did with my scoliosis. That must've been what I did when I got teased. Like, you know, if I didn't speak perfect English when I first came here. So I think, um, all of that just culminated to one day I realized like, oh, I have a huge fear of commitment. Like I cannot, I would date for like three months and then I would be like, break up with any. And I noticed everyone I dated, it always cut off at three months. Even, and then one day I really liked somebody and I was like, why am I running away? I really like this guy. And I, I just couldn't do it. I could not possibly stay with someone for more than three months. And then I found a therapist who worked on commitment issues and she goes, can you commit to me? And I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to fuck you. Like you were just an old lady. You know what I mean? (laughs) I was like, yeah. She goes, can you commit to me for six months so we can work on your commitment issues? I need you to commit to me for at least six months. Okay, it's been like 13 years, and I'm still with her. Wow. And and I'm fine now. Like, I might have been with my boyfriend for six years. I would love to spend the rest of my life with him. Like, I'm fine with that. I just find uh, uh, therapy is so interesting because you can't, you never reach an end. Like, you, you peel an onion, a layer, and then you're like, wait, there's more? And then you find more, you know? So for me, it's like, it's almost like psychoanalyzing myself. I mean, psych was my major. So I find this stuff interesting anyway.
0: Well, because we're comedians and we love to talk about ourselves. One.
1: Yes. And break break things down
0: and break things down. And and like, you know, let's, let's, you know, I'm always like, let's unpack this. Like, which is such a Silicon Valley term. Um, But the other part is because you're in a relationship, things keep coming up for you because things are coming up for him and then there's things coming up for the both of you. Right. So the the relationship isn't stagnant. Right. So as soon as you, you figure out one thing, like there's another layer and then you're like, Oh, what's this about? Or I forgot. Or, or your parents divulge some information. Yeah. You're like, Oh, Oh, I'm going to need like three sessions this week because.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what I find so interesting about therapy is that you know, a lot of times it'll go back to this one particular time in your life. And for me, she always goes, I mean, at at this point, I think my therapist is like 73 years old and she's like, well, you're going to hate me because here we are again, you know? And it's always when I moved to America at age eight. And at one point I was like, can you stop bringing that up? But then I realized that she's right. Like everything has to do with this like traumatic which is weird because it doesn't feel traumatic at the point, at that point, you know, it's not like, oh, that's right. This goes back to that rape that I had in the alley. Like it's not traumatic like that. It's traumatic in a um, she calls it like a drop by drop. Like it's just little by little, it creates this trauma in you. And if you're not, um, if you can't develop it on your own, you just you you just don't know how to deal with it. It's so more it,
0: chronic uh, versus acute. Like, uh, yes, rape would be exactly and chronic is like, "Oh, we're packing our bags today. Oh, we we're leaving the house. Oh, we're going over. Like, it's just like this slow, like yes. uh, dissolving of the life that you had. And then it's yeah. a slow buildup of this new life and you're kind of in shock the whole time.
1: So it's, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating that, and I also find it insane that everyone isn't in therapy. And I know there are like people have thick walls and they don't want to deal with their demons. And, you know, cause she'll say stuff like you're so courageous. And I'm like, no, I have to be here because if I wasn't here, I would jump off a cliff because I drive myself crazy. You know, like if, if I can't do therapy for say like a month, because I don't know, maybe she had surgery or I was on vacation or whatever. I can start feeling the anxiety building, you know, where I'm like, when's the next session? It's like your security
0: blanket. That's exactly what it becomes where like you're part of my life now and I need you. And it lets me know that everything is okay because you're still here. It's that, that consistency and that constancy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's why like during COVID I was like, bitch, you cannot die because, I know you're at that age where people die from covid you're in your 70s stay home please stay home I don't want to start over with a new therapist I've told you everything
0: You know this is this is why like cuz I have a uh, a teletherapist too so we never met in person I'm assuming you met your your therapist in person Oh yeah right? yeah I
1: mean we still do we've been doing um phone oh and this is the other thing like she wants to do zoom but I hate I just hate zoom because I'm just, it's just easier for me. Like just talking to friends. I don't know if I'm old school, but it's just easier to get on the phone and just have just an analyze on the phone like this. And, uh, and she's like, you know, I think sometimes it'd be better to zoom. And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't want to see your face. I don't want you to see mine. When I zoom, I look at myself. I don't focus on the other person. I'm just like, what the fuck is that line? You know? So so, I'm like no, but I think we're gonna start doing um, in office again in 2022, which I do like. I love in office.
0: I love it. Yeah, my my uh, my teletherapist is like she doesn't know how to adjust the camera, so the whole time it looks like this. <laughs> it's just eyes. Yeah, she, she's like the guy from um, uh, Home Improvement. Where, yes. Like you never see yes. the, the rest of his face. And and I said something to her, and she she's just like, so you know, it sounds like, um, you know, like she never quite answers or responds to or even Is adjust she the older? camera. She's a little bit older, and yeah, but, yeah. but like not like old where she doesn't know how to do this, where she doesn't know yeah. how to adjust the camera. She's like in maybe in her fifties or something. That um, just
1: sounds like my parents. My parents will be like this. Yeah. You know Just and one I'm, like, eye. I'm right here. Yes. <laughs>
0: uh, earlier you you were talking about um y- you know how your parents or, or at least you felt like you l- grew up in a household where emotions weren't discussed. Did you feel like that was something that was cultural like your, your because your parents are you talked about, you know, coming from Spain or did you feel like this was something that was more about your parents than it was about the culture that they were from. Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I think, I think it was a cultural thing. I think it was also that time. I mean, a lot of friends that I talked to had the same situation and they didn't have a mother from Spain. It's just, you know, like now it's all about therapy and being open and sharing. And back then it was like, you know, um, if something wasn't going well at home, you kind of kept it in the house, you know, and I don't think I was necessarily like the kind of kid that always asked for help. You know, like if I was lonely, I wasn't like, I'm lonely. I'd just go upstairs to my room and like play with my dolls and still be lonely. So I think it just depends on the child's personality too. Like if, if no one's asking for anything, they're fine. Whereas like, I think, you know, I don't think anyone can understand that unless they're either a therapist or they've been through something similar. Like if I had a kid and she had to wear a back brace, obviously I'd be like, let's talk about this. You know, even if she didn't want to, I'd be like, no, we need to talk about this because I don't want you to keep it all inside, you know? But I think it just depends on, it can be a number of factors, you know?
0: So you, you talked earlier also about loving that inner child. What does that look like for you? How do we love our inner child? And is it the 8-year-old child and which, you know, <laughs> what which inner child are we talking about? The 3-year-old, the 8-year-old, the
1: I mean, for me, I think it would be uh I mean, I'm not really sure if I'm sure the child can change ages, but for me it's just like being aware cuz my therapist says that your creativity comes from the child within you. Like that is the, the nugget of create creativity. And if you're ignoring your, yourself, it's really about being in touch with yourself, you know? Um, and, and my biggest issue has always been like, I just tend to look for things on the outside to satisfy me, you know, like, like, you know, if I'm dating someone, I'm like, pay attention to me. Or, you know, like uh, we're in the arts, so we're crazy people. So it's like, we want to be not necessarily famous, but successful. And all that stuff is external, you know, and just realizing that um, all of your happiness that you need, it's already inside of you. You don't need to be, uh, you don't need to change. There's nothing missing from you that will make you happier. And learning that has, affected me so much. Like, you know, um, cause you know, when I don't know if like when you're little, everyone's like, wants to be famous or rich or be popular or, you know, whatever. And it's like, I know, and it's hard, but I know that it, that everything, if everything I need is inside of me already, it, I don't give as much importance to the external stuff you know, Mm, like it's okay to want like an, an HBO special or, or a million dollars or all that. But those things are, my therapist would say temporary satisfactions, you know? So if, if I'm rich and I went to buy a Ferrari, I mean, that's fucking awesome. But after a while, I'm going to be like, what else? So, you know, I'm going to keep replacing that. It's or transitional you know,
0: right it's not perfect it's
1: transitional Whereas what's inside of you it's not you know so you i really have to it, it takes a while but you have to just look inward all the time but and what I does that mean what do you mean oh okay meditation like meditation or um you know it's okay to feel needy and wanted like if i want to be with my boyfriend i'm like can we please just pay attention to me i'm feeling a little down because i didn't get this part on this commercial or whatever Like I get that, but, um, but in the long run, it's helpful to be like, wait, I can fulfill my own needs. You know, I don't need anything from the outside. Sure. I can love someone else or I can want something else, but what's going on within me at that moment. And a lot of times it does work. I go, okay, let me see what's going on. And if I just, kind of just love myself, like, um, pay attention to myself, it doesn't, uh, it, it does feel better, you know, after a while. And it could be like, like writing more, you know, where I'm like writing about my feelings or, um, just not needing something from the outside.
0: It sounds like it's about like, uh, either sitting with your emotions, like meditation yeah. Or, or, or creating something saying, you know what? Everything I need is within me so I can write. I can for me, sometimes it's cooking or yes. um, or sometimes I'll just do another podcast. You know, I'll just throw up another, uh, you know, thing, create something uh, or,
1: or like for me, it's painting, too. I mm. love painting. Um, but some but most of the time and I've learned this more throughout the pandemic, especially when we weren't performing is not doing anything at all. Like I was constantly just trying to fill my day with doing, 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 doing. And then I was like, no, just be, just be, just be. So just be with yourself doing nothing. And all this stuff starts to come out, you know, and that to me doing nothing, it like, I start going so creative. Like, you know, it's like one of the things that I read is. that I didn't do that during the pandemic that gave me a lot of anxiety was that I would sleep next to my phone um, because I was doing so many TikToks because there was no stand-up. So I would wake up and I would check my TikTok and, da, 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 and it just created this anxiety. And then now for like I'd say the last year, maybe a little more than a year, I just I put I sleep with my phone in the kitchen. I leave my phone in the kitchen. Unless I have to like get up at six a.m. to go to the airport or something like that, but I leave. I usually leave my phone in the in the kitchen, and then I I go to bed. And then when I first get up, it's weird. I I've gotten to the point where I don't even run to check my phone first thing. Like I I just wake up. I'll do my stretches. I'll make coffee, and it just feels good to like be like, oh, I should check my email, but it's like an hour's gone by already. So it's like you're you're not filling your brain up. You're just letting your brain decide for that first hour what it wants to think. Because I think a lot of the problem now is, is so much stimulus that you're not thinking for yourself. You're just throwing things in your head, you know, whether if you're, I, and that's like, I don't mean just like going on TikTok, but like finding your phone and reading the news, finding your phone and texting, like just, do nothing for a while, you know, just wake up like they did 20 years ago. And it feels really good.
0: Yeah. It, it, you know, because as soon as you, you open the phone and you start reading the news, it puts you in that fight or flight, like what's happening in Detroit, what's going on in the yes. stock market. What? And, you know, car crash this and it's like, why wow, hadn't even like stepped out of bed yet, you know, and, yes. in the world, it feels like it's collapsing. And, and that's going to put you in a panic attack for sure. Yeah. What, um, you know, you, you, like you said, you've been in therapy for 13 years. What four emotions are, do you struggle with the most? And these don't necessarily have to be, um, quote unquote, negative or bad emotions. Uh, okay. I know for oh, me, okay. if I get excited, excite, I've, I've like run stop signs and stoplights. Because like uh-huh. my, my song was on and I was like, oh, damn, you know, yes. and then I run a stop sign like, oh, I got to get my excitement under control. Or, yeah, uh, I'm I like forget that things. too. What? I've so done that. Talk about that.
1: I've done that. I remember in London, I was so excited because I had just picked up all these shows and I tripped and I, I thought I broke my leg. I wasn't paying attention. You know how in London they have on the trains, it says mind the gap because there's a big gap. I did not mind the gap and I fell so hard. (laughs) I had to go to the hospital and get an x-ray and it was because I was in la-la land. It's almost like I was, I was flying. I was living in my own little, in my own little, I wasn't paying attention. You know, I think that's a very good point because even if it's positive, if you're not aware around you, it can be bad. You know, like, like I've done that where I, I, I don't look and there's a bus coming and I almost get run over. And I'm like, wake up! Like I'm walking down the street, and it's like, open your eyes, you know. Um, but there's that, and then I would say definitely anxiety. Like it's it's much better now, but um, if if there there are moments where I still uh, panic, that that old panic, it's almost like a PTSD of the old days is going to come back you know and if i see so i this was a joke that i did years ago but i actually used to meet guys outside so i wouldn't have to be in that cramped space you know like if i liked someone i'd be i would lie and i'd be like oh i'm actually going to be in the park that day <laughs> why don't Lying we just a kite. Meet? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> why don't we just meet on the corner of da central park west and uh, and it was so much easier for me. And even then I was anxious, but I didn't feel like the ceiling and the walls were going to come down on me. Like I, it just felt like I had all this air, especially if it's cold out. Like I was like, I can't sweat in the cold, you know, that kind of stuff. Like if I, if I could only date like horseback riding and ice skating, I would have been fine. <laughs> I would have been fine the whole time.
0: You know that's why for my uh, a lot of times uh, I would plan my first dates to be hikes because I'm like I'm anxious anyway and I'm going to be sweaty so I I might as well have you know have an alibi you know (laughs) yeah
1: or even swimming I'm like I don't care I'd rather him see me in a bathing suit than like dripping (laughs) at least it's water you know
0: and so excitement anxiety what anxiety other emotions um
1: days. i mean give me some what are some other options let me think
0: you know sometimes think, people feel like yeah. uh they're a burden or a burden or a shame or guilt. yes um,
1: i felt um burdened like i remember my inner monologue and sometimes it does come back will be like do you like me like oh you don't like me or you don't like me And it's not like I'm trying to, it's different from like people pleasing, like trying to get them to like me. I start off with like, oh, they already don't like me. It's like this weird default where I'm like, almost like searching for it. And then you take, and then of course that puts you in a filter where if they do something like, you know, instead of going, hi, Carmen, they'll be like, Hey. And then you're like, see that, Hey, was boring. They don't like me you know, like you start to like almost make it match what you think. That's so bad. And then another one I do is, um, like i cr- fears. Wait, what does my therapist say? Your fears are not facts. So like my brain will like take fears and think they're facts, you know, but they're just fears. And I think that comes from like childhood like you know this leads to this and this leads to that and oh my god and then it was all just a fear it wasn't none of it is real
0: you just start you just assume that you know exactly how things are going to play out it's almost yeah. like like um i don't want to say like a god complex because only god knows what's going to happen next but we but because we can see it we truly believe that that's what's going to happen and yeah. there there's no alternative there's not going to be some uh you know Uh, I mean, we all had our 2020 planned out, but but nobody foresaw, you know, COVID in a pandemic or 9-11 or any of these, you know, acute catastrophes. Well, COVID is more chronic, but like, you know, they're just things that happen. But we think we have everything under control.
1: But I'm not even talking about like outside of the like any something that everyone is experiencing. I'm talking about even being like on my couch with my boyfriend. If he's like, you know, really, because he loves comic books. If he's really into his comic book and he's worked all day and he just wants to read his comic book, my brain will just be like, oh, he doesn't like me as much anymore because he would be spending time with me instead of with a fucking comic book, you know?
0: So how do you express that to him?
1: Well, it's gotten to the point where, you know, and I think a lot of women do this is that you, cause you always hear guys go, I can't read your mind. You got to tell me, you know? And cause I'm like, how is it not obvious that I want to hang out with you? And he's like, you got to tell me. And he's the kind of guy, like, you know, uh, if you want me to take out the trash, ask for help and I'll take out the trash. And my brain comes from, if the trash is full, fucking take it out. I shouldn't have to tell you. You know, so I think a lot of it is uh, is men versus women and communication and all that stuff. So if, if I'm on the couch and I want attention, it's just better for me to say it because, you know, if it doesn't, then it creates this awkwardness later. And then uh, then I'm pissed about something else that wasn't even like part of the conversation.
0: Resentment. And he's builds like, up. Right.
1: yes, resentment. And then you're like, is this about the couch? And I'm like, Yes. And he's like, "Why did you tell me ten minutes ago? We could have avoided all of this." You know.
0: So, so when it's, you, it's, I when, think you, it's, when yeah. you need attention. What does that mean? Because that's such a broad word, right? It's like you don't love me. Like, what does that? What does love mean? I want freedom. It just means
1: like, well, you know how they say like, um, everyone has a love language. Mm-hmm. Like mine is physical touch. Like you can just if if I'm with somebody I love and they're going like this or they're like holding me. I am good. You know, some people are words of affirmation, which, you know, is great. But, um, but that they need to hear how wonderful they are or whatever, you know, I think another one is like gifts, like, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive gifts, but like, I made you this or da, 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 or, you know, but for me, like, hanging out on the couch together, or uh, I'm saying like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, so much of the little things can be resolved by just the tiniest things that make you feel loved. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. I yeah. I was in a car with my girl once, and um, I, I it was like in a, in the middle of like the Black Lives Matter thing, you know. And I live in San Diego, and I just felt like I didn't have an outlet to express what I was feeling. You know, like even if even though I wasn't reading the news per se you couldn't yeah. escape it. Like either people were talking about it or uh, I have like 1,500 family members. Uh, and, it, it, and so like people are sending me links and it's and, and so like, there's a point where I was just overwhelmed and I just broke down crying in a car yeah. with my girlfriend one day and she just like held my hand and I'll never forget that, you know, like that's all I needed. I didn't need her to yep. say anything. I didn't need her to get me anything or what can I do? She just sat there quietly with me, held my hand, and I was like, "Okay, this is my girl. She she understands me. She gets it." And uh, and then I stopped crying, and we just like went to Home Depot and got you know some lumber or whatever we were. Yes. we were headed to do. So yeah, it was that little thing of just holding space for my emotions, and, totally. not, and not being freaked or weirded out by it, and uh, and then we were able to move on.
1: Like it can be as simple as like when I come home getting up and giving me a hug or, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's that that little thing. You're just like, oh, so I love that.
0: Your love language is touch. Yeah. And me and my friends just had a conversation about this yesterday uh, because there's so many different ways of touching someone. Are, are there ways in which you don't like to be touched?
1: Well, what I I read that book years ago, because it's right. I think it's called The Four Love Languages. Five Love Langu- and or The Five Love Languages. Yep. And um I just love that stuff anyway, just because I am a psych major and I've always loved it. But what I found interesting about that book that stayed with me is that if it's the wrong person, that touch is like disgusting. You know, it's gotta be the right person. So, if I'm dating someone, or even if it's a guy who likes me and I don't like him, and say we're like hanging out in a group and he thinks it's a date or whatever, and he puts his arm around me, I'm like, get the fuck off of me. It just, and the same with a guy. If I like the guy, but we're not dating, but I'm attracted to him, and he like opens the door for me or he touches like the small of my back, like that feels like he just gave me a wedding ring. You know, it just, it's so funny how how it just depends on the person you know
0: absolutely right uh you know uh, is it a stranger is it is it uh who who is is it uh who's it? Weinstein (laughs) like
1: (laughs) or even just a dude where you're like oh I don't like you like this or I find you annoying like don't get so close you know
0: yeah absolutely that's so true so what what are you looking forward to right now carmen lynch what what, what's what's getting you out up uh, and out of bed in the morning
1: oh my gosh i well i love painting i'm trying to write a book well i am writing a book i should say i am writing a book i'm up to 300 pages but i just need to uh, edit it and rewrite it you know it's that first draft where you just read it and you're just like (laughs) oh like so um I love rock climbing. I, uh, I love painting. I love, um, I love figuring out my day and I love traveling still. Like we're going to Prague in about a month and I'm super excited if COVID doesn't ruin it, but, um, just to go for comedy. Oh, just to go for my birthday.
0: Oh, sweet.
1: Um, so I always love, just like when we went to Cuba, it was just so exciting to go somewhere I've never been, you know, so we just picked Prague. I picked Prague because I was like, I want to go somewhere I've never been. And, uh, I don't care if it's freezing. I heard it's beautiful. Um, so just, um, enjoying creative stuff that doesn't have a, what is that? Like an outcome or a final, you know, it's it's just painting for the fun of it. Or rock climbing because it's exciting, not because I'm trying to get into some kind of thing, you know, just enjoying the arts and and being with my friends. Like I'm going to meet I don't know if you know Irene Bremis, but I'm I'm meeting her later in the village for some wine and Italian food and, uh, you know, just enjoying things more like I don't need I don't need to do a spot every single night for twenty five dollars. Like I'd rather keep all my spots for the weekends or a few during the week, but you know, and then enjoy a couple of nights during the week where I can just be with me or my boyfriend or just hang out, you know like be you reach person. a certain point, yeah. be a person and be a human and it's so funny because I still love stand up comedy, but something something altered during this pandemic um. And it's kind of thrown me off. Like, where is this going? Do I, you know, am I not as passionate about stand-up? But then I've spoken to so many comics and they feel the exact same way. So at first I thought it was just me or I'm getting older or whatever. And now it just seems like there's something in this pandemic that has made people go like, wait a second, I'm also human. I don't have to run around every single night and, and let my ego lead the way and be like, "No, see, I'm a comic, I got spots. See I'm at a bar with ten people tonight. I got spots, you know, and just enjoy life and just be
0: yeah, it's exhausting to feel like you're constantly having to prove your worth yeah right? and 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 uh, your identity is like I'm I, like I you know, when I meet people for the first time or introduced and they go, Oh, this is Leo. He's a, a comedian. I go, "No, no, I do stand-up comedy. I'm not a comedian. Like I yeah. don't want to over-identify myself with what I do. Like it's not who I am, right?" And Yes. And and it cuz it makes a conversation with the person uh that much more challenging. Because totally. now, tell me a joke, you know. What what do you do? Do you make a living off doing that, you know? And it's just like, yeah. oh good goodness.
1: I mean, that drives me crazy. Like if I'm at a party or something and I tell my friends, I'm like, please don't introduce me as a comedian, because then it turns into a podcast <laughs> where I'm just asked if, like, do I write my own jokes? And I don't mean a podcast like you and me. I mean a podcast like a new comic going, like, how did you get Fallon? And what did you, you know? And you're just like, the night never ends. And I'm like, please don't do that. Or like if you get into, into an Uber. I, this happens in L.A. a lot more than in New York, because I think here it's more diverse. I feel like L.A., everyone's an actor. And uh, and you just get in a car and they're like, oh, you're going to the comedy store? What are you going to do? And I'm just like, I'm just going to go see a show. You know, I don't say I'm a comic because it's just, oh, I'm an actor. And it's just like never ending.
0: When When was the last time you cried?
1: Oh, my God, that's a great question. The last time I cried, oh my gosh, the last time I cried, you're involved in this. The last time time I cried was Lisa Alvarado sent me her documentary, and it was so good, and you were in it.
0: I haven't even seen it yet.
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was great. That's so insane. And you were in the writing group in that. Yeah.
0: Me and Alonzo Bowden. And um, I forget who else was involved. I haven't even, I completely forgot about it. I would reach out to her. But it's uh, it's great. great story.
1: It it was a great story. And I was just like watching it. And then the guy was so funny. And I was just like, (laughs) oh, my God. And it was just like, you know, I don't want to ruin it for everybody. But it just made me cry.
0: Uh, It's so funny. And then last question, uh, yeah. well, I have two last questions. One is I know you're writing a book right now, but, uh, I, I know that writers are also readers. What's a, uh, a, a fiction book that really spoke to you?
1: A fiction book. Yes. Darn. Cause I have a great nonfiction book.
0: Okay. Give me the nonfiction. Um,
1: the nonfiction book is stranger in the woods. And it um, is about this hermit, this guy who lived alone in the woods for 27 years. He was about, I think he was like 20 years old. He was driving in his truck and he pulled over to the side of the road in the woods and he never left. He didn't know how long he was going to stay, but he was like hung out in the woods and then never left for, for 27 years. He only spoke once. Like when I'm alone, I I speak out loud in my apartment. This guy never spoke. He said hi once in 27 years because he ran into a hiker. And uh, and I just thought it was so good because it, it goes into the psychology of like, how was he never in 27 years? Imagine being lonely after a week of not seeing like your significant other. This man was alone for 27 years was never lonely. The only reason he left was he got busted because he was on someone else's property. But it's so interesting. I find that shit so interesting. It was, was really he,
0: good. I heard a podcast about a guy like that, and he had a bunch of DVDs, and he would watch one movie a day. Is he that didn't the same have, guy?
1: I mean, he listened to the radio. Was he in Maine?
0: I don't remember where he was, but I remember like a few years ago, I listened to a podcast about a guy who was in the woods, and... um but I think he may have spoke more because he um, had a, a, like a jet ski for the winter time. Oh sometimes no. He, he would have to go yeah. in and get, is this a different guy then?
1: Yeah. He used a oh. canoe, but he would steal. his biggest thing that he actually got, he went to jail for after the 27 years was that um, he would steal. He was in Maine. So he would find empty cabins where people would like leave food. And he would break in and steal their food just to survive. But he never took anything expensive. Like if there was a ring or whatever, um, he would never take that. He would take like cans of tuna fish or a loaf of bread or whatever, just to survive. Um, but, uh, (laughs) and people after a while would leave him food on their doorstep and be like, "Will you just not stop coming into my apartment to my cabin and just, take this. And he never did because he was worried they'd like poisoned it. Um, But he finally went to jail for, I think, only seven months because he was very he was harmless. Like he just wanted to be alone. And he he did that for 27 years. It's crazy.
0: I, I love it. And you know what? And it goes back to the idea of the happiness that we're seeking with, is within ourselves. and And because there's so much of a push, you know, you've been dating for six years and I'm sure you're getting like, when are you guys going to get married? And, you know, that kind of talk. And uh, there's such a push to like be with somebody, especially uh Christmas is approaching here quickly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, being with ourselves, learning how to be with ourself, uh, that can be just as nourishing and empowering as.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, Absolutely. The one is
0: you is what I'm trying to tell you.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Like you, it's funny because you would think in the past, You know, looking out for yourself sounded like selfish, but you really do have to look out for yourself first, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to take that book. That was a great one. And then last question, always imagine that there's one person listening in who's on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them? Carmen Lynch.
1: Oh, my God. And I'm saying this to someone else, right? You are. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind is I am here for you. Like, I feel like, you know, always help others. And I think that's what I would want to hear. And also things get better. This too shall pass. Nothing is permanent. Um, you know, life is all about ebbs and flows and, uh, Things can change. I know I've said like five things instead of one. But all of those, I think, are important.
0: Powerful. Thank you so much, Carmen Lynch. And then where can people find you? Plug all your things. I know you have a podcast. and
1: I have a podcast called The Human Centipod. It has nothing to do with the movie The Human Centipede. Um, it's with me and my boyfriend, and we're stuck together. That's the only part, like the movie The Human Centipede. But it's very silly. It's on SiriusXM on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. And it's also on iTunes and Spotify. And then all my shows are on CarmenLynch.com. And all my social media and my TikToks are at CarmenComedian.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you so much to the listeners for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. For you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK or Any of the other international phone numbers that are uh, listed in all of the show notes, if you live in Spain or Maine or Barcelona or Budapest or Belgium or Prague, there are international phone numbers uh, listed for you in the show notes. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.